be on. Bumping and banging around here. How's that? Well, it's good to see all of you that made it back out. And uh, thank you so much. We have some wonderful uh, news that has already been brought to us about our business meeting next week. I'd like for us uh, to uh, take our Bibles and we're going to go to Proverbs chapter 3. I will tell you a little bit about this uh, message today. Um, for most of you that know me and uh, my private life as well, you know that uh, if there's one thing that I always try to do is take care of myself, but there are times that I know that that's near impossibility. The last few days have been just a, uh, a mixture of emotions, roller coaster emotions. And, uh, but praise God, man, for, for God's people. I, I wouldn't know what to do if I didn't have my family. And I'm talking about the redeemed of my family. Um, how that all of them have reached out in such powerful ways to, to be there for me and everything else. And, uh, as I laid upon my bed last night, I had a thought that just kept going over my mind over and over again, and I want to share that with you today. I want us to go to chapter 3 of the book of Proverbs, and we're going to read the first 12 verses, and notice what we have here in the recordings of Solomon as he addresses his son. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the tablet of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and morrow to thy bones. Honor the, father, honor the Lord with thy substance and with the firstfruits of thine in increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and the presses shall burst out with new wine. My son, despise not the chastising of the Lord or chastening of the Lord. Neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he, cor he correcteth, even as a father the son in whom he delighteth. Father, as we come before you now, I pray for thy help, and I pray for thy direction as we consider the things that you have before us. Help us, dear Father, to know the truth of the things that are given to us. And may we rejoice in thy name, and guide and bless, and we will rejoice in all that you give us this day. So help me in this sermon, whether it's a long one or a short one or somewhere in between, but be a blessing, I pray, to thy congregation. As we want to be a blessing in the music we sing, and our prayers that we lift up, and all that we desire to do to you to recognize your power and your glory, may we be faithful in all things, for it's in Christ we pray. Amen. 
I, re I recorded this down, and I want you all to hear it with me if we can. It says, life can be so unpredictable. Joys and sorrows and distressing difficulties can come unexpectedly. Our life streams and plans can change in an instant. We all know this to be true. So how can we find peace amid such turbulence? Horatio Spafford knew something about life's unexpected challenges. He was a successful attorney and real estate investor who lost a fortune in the Great Fire of 1871. Around the same time, his beloved four-year-old son died of scarlet fever. Thinking a vacation would do his family some good, he sent his wife and four daughters on a ship to England, planning to join them after he had finished some pressing business at home. However, while crossing the Atlantic Ocean, the ship was involved in a terrible collision and sunk. More than 200 people lost their lives, including all four of Horatio Spafford's precious daughters. His wife, Anna, survived the tragedy. Upon arriving in England, she sent a telegram to her husband that began, Saved alone, what shall I do? Horatio immediately set sail for England. At one point during his voyage, the captain of the ship, aware of the tragedy that had struck the Spafford family, summoned Horatio to tell him that they were now passing over the spot where the shipwreck had occurred. As Horatio thought about his daughters, words of comfort, hope filled his heart and mind. He wrote them down, and they have become a beloved hymn. When peace like a river attendeth my way. When sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Perhaps we cannot always say that everything is well in all aspects of our lives. There's always storms to face. And sometimes there will be tragedies, but with faith in a loving God and with his trust and divine help, we can confidently say, it is well with my soul. In our hymn books, we have that song. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrow put those words to paper and it is stated and we're going to look at that a little bit more how that in the moment of his tragedy in the moment of his difficulty he would take those words and the write them down upon a piece of paper later on he would add these verses as well though Satan should buffet 
the trial should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ hath regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my soul. O oh, sin, my sin, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin not in part but the whole, is now to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O oh, my soul. We oftentimes take it for granted, and I've heard so many people say to me, God will never place upon us more than that which we can bear. And that's just not true. Sometimes God will do whatever it takes to bring us closer to Him, to draw us to our knees, to make us pray more fervently unto Him as well. It is no mystery of the last couple of hours how that my own family has faced a terrible situation. It seems like the prayers for the most part for the last couple of years have faced the difficulties. We rejoice on one hand because Kendra gave birth to Vivian. And oh my goodness, I got a picture from Carla yesterday as she uh, was sitting around how that she was holding little Vivian and oh she's a big baby now, don't get me wrong. And then someone showed me a picture of little Addie today, and they, it was like, and it's like, uh, how long is she going to stay? And um, we don't know. I'm sure that Addie is already becoming the big sister that she's supposed to be. And even now, Greg is on his way back. Dennis also has faced difficult tragedies. And the tragedy that he has found difficult was the loss of his own son. When he had just talked to him a little bit earlier in the day, and, and this, this just seems like more that is mounted upon us. And then closer to home, I had that own situation when I found out that my former daughter-in-law, the mother of my grandchild, is now dying because her heart is finally given out. Last night, I received a phone call about 10:30 from sister from, from her mother. Uh, India's mom, Aunt Lita, and she said, hello, Mike, this is Lita. How are you doing? I said, I'm doing fine. The real question is, how are you doing? And as I listened to Lita and her, her statement to me, I, I couldn't help but want to just pray with her, and I said, can we have a word of prayer together? The doctors that at that time said it could be days, it could be longer before her heart finally gives out, but there was no brain activity. <clears throat> the reality is is that her mind was gone. I don't know anything else other than that. Finally, about 12.30, Esther texted me a message that said, my mom's gone home. My mom has passed. <laughs> I know nothing about the situation. I know nothing about the situation that goes on there. But I want to use the message of Horatio Spafford and the song that I, I try to sing to you today and the beautiful music that Brother Randy brought as well to make us understand that this world is not the permanent residence of us. We think about the 1800s and when we think about the 1800s we, we forget how much that there was a, already a struggle in our country. The 1860s, from 1860 to 1865, our country was wrapped up in a terrible civil war. And this was 1873, just 
you know, less than 10 years after all of the tragedies occur, there was great revivals that were breaking out all over the place. Men like Spurgeon in England, men like Moody in the States and others were beginning to preach and there was a, there was a great drive for people to be able to hear the message of God. And it was a, a remarkable time that we lived in. The, 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 you might say that the Industrial Revolution in America was reaching its full core. And so you had on one hand, you had the preaching of the gospel of, of Christ always continuing, always being preached, always being delivered. On the other hand was the Industrial Revolution, men like Carnegie, uh, men like uh, Rockefeller and others who began to utilize their talents to extract the minerals that were in this earth and to build bigger and better all along the way. But the reality was there was a still a strong need and I will tell you this, the closer you are to God, now hear me out, the closer you are to God, the more immediate the attention that God is going to pay in his chastising. Now I want you to think about this. Even as they were building the tabernacle in the wilderness, Nadab and Abihu, they had offered strange fire to God and he took immediate action upon them. Immediate action. A little bit later we found how that when Joshua entered into the land and God had given a command that said, don't allow, you know, there will be no taking of the Babylonian garments. You destroy everything. And yet there was a man by the name of Achan who had coveted in his heart to have one particular thing and he hid them within his tent thinking that he had gotten away with it. But God knows all things. And pretty soon, Achan and his family all died because of the sin of one individual. How many of us remember Ananias and Sapphira going all the way into the New Testament? How, that they, had, how they had contrived in their heart that they were going to keep a portion back of the sale of their home or the sale of land that they had. And even then, the apostle said to them, when it was yours, you could have been honest and said that you had a desire for others, but you were going to give this. But no, you have lied to the Holy Spirit by saying, oh. Again, the reality is, when we are close to God, don't be surprised when trials come. Paul found this out. Barnabas found this out. Silas found this out. The closer they were to God, the more that there, there was a challenge to their faith. When I see the Civil War, I can imagine how many people still walked around Chicago, maybe New York, maybe Baltimore, Cincinnati, other places, and they were missing limbs from where the, the bombs had taken off or the bullets had riddled their, their legs and their arms and maybe missed them out. One such man was uh, Joshua Chambers. Most of you all might remember him when he was a colonel from Maine, a school book learner, if you will. And uh, he had saved literally the, the Union from a great devastation when at Gettysburg he had wheeled around and saved the Union. But he took a bullet in right near his bladder and it almost killed him. But he survived it. Survived it. You know, how he survived it, I still don't know. But he survived it. I can go on and on and on with every case and bring it to your attention about all these situations that occurred. But the reality is, 
there was still a troubled time. Now we bring in Horatio Spafford. And Horatio, as he came into the scene, you know, he had already heard about the work of Moody. And Moody must have saw something in this man. Maybe it was a particular need. Maybe it was just a person in the congregation of where he preached. But he invited him to go to England with him and to hear the message. And so immediately Horatio had some things he had to think about. Do I give up everything I have here in the States? Do I really feed the spiritual person that I need? Do I follow after the things that Brother Moody has offered me, or what do I need to do? This was a tremendous time in the world, because you see, it seemed like the Holy Spirit, everywhere the word was being preached, was having an impact upon people. Well, Horatio decided that he and his family, after the death of his son, needed to have a little bit of recovery, a little bit of respite. And so he and his family were preparing to go to England. They were going to be with Brother Moody. They were going to preach the word of God. There was going to be his, his spirit was going to be filled with the messages. He was going to meet men like Charles Haddon Spurgeon and others that were going to be there in England with him. And it was right before that that the Great Chicago Fire occurred. Many blame it on Mrs. O'Leary and her cow. We don't know for certain if that's really what happened, but she gets the blame for it. And the reality is, because of all the wooden structures, there was a great fire along the, the coastline of the Michigan waters. Not only that, the fire was being swept and was encouraged because of the winds that were coming off the lake. And pretty soon, everything that Horatio Spafford had built up to was gone. Everything. And when he now looked at the rubble, he had to make a decision. Do I go ahead and I head on over to England? We've already got the tickets. We've got everything ready to go. But then came the word, we need you here to make sure that everything is settled down, to lay out where your markers were, to lay out where the fire had impacted you. You've got to stay. And so he went home and he was ready to deliver this terrible information to his wife and his daughters. And then it occurred to him, I can send them on. And I'll meet, uh, meet up with them a little bit later. So the reason that his wife and daughters were on ship was because Horatio stood, stayed back to fulfill the requirement that was there. Then came the terrible news. There's been a shipwreck. The ship that his daughters and wife were on hit another ship. And it was said that there was an eerie gray fog like no one had ever seen before. And protocol says that when a ship enters into fog, that they are to ring the bell, they are to sound the horn, whatever it takes, to let the other vessel know exactly where they're at. The other vessel never did signal. Never once did they ever declare where they were at. And lo and behold, the vessel that his wife and daughters were on is smacked into the other ship. Do you realize the other ship received minor flaws, minor devastation? But 200 souls were lost on the ship that struck it. 200 souls, of which four of them were the daughters of Horatio Spafford. His wife survived, and she sent the message saved alone. Can you imagine? 
Horatio looking at this message. I'm the only one that survived the shipwreck. He's now, he's now done away. He no longer has his son. He no longer has his daughters. He has his wife. But she continued, what shall I do? What's there left to do? I don't know what Horatio reported back. It was very expensive to send a telegraph at that time. Whether it was under the, the coastal lines or whatever, it, it was still very expensive. But he boarded on the ship, and the whole time that he boarded on the ship, he began to pen this poem. The music was later added to it by P.P. P. Bliss, who was also part of Moody's team. And I always was struck, and this is what struck me last night, while I was struggling to get a little rest, over and again, the message went, sorrows like sea billows roll. Did you realize that it goes when peace like a river? Have you ever been, if you ever cross over the bridge and you see the Ohio River, we don't realize how quickly that river is flowing, but we see the settlement, we see how peaceful it looks. And I see that, that peaceful river and I think, wow, how impressive that must have been. But Horatio saw that in another way. When peace like a river attendeth my weight. This is what I want. Let me ask you, how many of us want turmoil in our lives? How many of us, we said that we sometimes come in and we talk about the devastations of the difficulties of our lives. And as we do, we, we talk about this turmoil or that turmoil. And we hear all these different things that come in and we turn around and we say, well, how many of us really want that turmoil? I'm literally challenged Satan by saying I have cast out many demons and all it took was one affair to bring him to his knees one his ministry was lost but I want peace but then he goes with that second verse when sorrows like sea billows roll it is with that in mind that I want to draw the attention to what we are looking at today. We know that there are ever limits on life. And one of the things that we look at, and I want to share something else with you. Let's take our Bibles and let's turn over, if you will, to the book of Romans. And in the book of Romans, I hear this verse used probably more than any, and I have used it myself to try to bring comfort to those that are hurting in the long run. In verse 28... Romans 8, 28, and it says, and we know, and we know, write this down, if you have confidence in the very thing that God has given, we know the scriptures, we know what it says, we who are believers know that all things work together for good to them that love God. I have no doubt that in this little tiny congregation we have a great love for each other. We can share in the music. We can share in our prayers. We can share in our fellowship. And we all know we have comes to knowing life as it is. But may I point this out to you? We have no guarantee of what tomorrow will hold. 
And I wish that there were times when people come up to me and go, why did this happen? Many years ago, I, I had the opportunity, I had a young man that came into my office, and he said, Brother Prater, how can I be saved? And as I was sitting there, I tried to share with him the scriptures about redemption and the power of Jesus Christ and how one comes to know Jesus through the blood sacrifice that Jesus had made. And the entire time his dad stood in the doorway and he said, well, maybe it's not his time. Maybe it's not his time. I wish that I could say it only happened one time, but twice that young man came to my office and twice his father said that. Let this sink in. Are we not, do we not then carry things too far? And that young man left with his dad and his dad had smiled a smile of victory. A few months later, that boy was missed a Wednesday night service. He was at Lake Laurel. He was on the boat, not knowing that the hall had been electrified. And he dove in the back of the boat and was entangled with electricity in the water. And it killed him. His mother, hearing the screams of other children, ran in after him, and she too got entangled, but she was able to fight through it and mouth the words, electricity. They yanked the power off the boat, and she was saved. They heard a thump, and that was the end of Michael. When I finally got to Laurel Lake that night, her only question to me is, where is Michael? How do you answer that? And my response to her was, he is with God above. How do I know that? Because the scripture says, the sheep and the goats will stand before him. Another situation that I have was a young lady, her name I will hold back, maybe I will give it to you a little bit later. But she had gone through two miscarriages, one because her father-in-law had pushed her during her eighth month of pregnancy with such violence against the gate that she miscarried. She lost the baby prior to that. Full term, babies would have been just beautiful, both boys. She didn't know what to do. And the whole time, I, I told her, I said, you better know Romans 8.28. You better know Romans 8.28. Finally, her brother, who was lost, died, and we went to the funeral home up around Cincinnati. And when I got out there, and she found out that I was in the presence, she ran to me, and she goes, where is he? said, Sharon, do you believe Romans 8.28? Because, you know, it is during the peaceful times when the waters seem easy to cross. When we can't see the swiftness of the water beneath the calm surface. It is then that we should embrace the entirety of Romans 8.28. For we 
But God knows. And He knows exactly what we're facing at the moment that we're facing it. But we need to understand and hold on to Romans 28 before the trials come. Do you understand that? So when we see these words penned, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, do you realize that the time comes when our peace is turned into sorrow? I have no doubt And in those four boys that I have, I know that they have gone through so many struggles in their own life. And I love every one of them. And nothing would be harder for me than to lose a son. I have a granddaughter now. And my question is, what is going to happen to her? I don't want her to be a woman of the state. Her grandmother called me from down in Monticello, Kentucky, and she said, Mike, I don't know what to do. And I said, we need to pray right now. Get some rest. And I'll probably call her a little bit later and ask her how she's doing. But do you realize the challenges of life that, that all are going to face? I've had the offer of my oldest son and said, I'll take Esther. She can come and live with me in Germany. But that may not be the answer. It probably won't be the answer. The reality is, is that every little thing begins with our understanding in the time of peace, Romans 8.28. Because here's the thing, when I finally went to the young lady that had lost the babies and lost her brother, I said, do you still... ...precious to us. But when it's peaceful and we embed it in our minds, how precious is that? All They come where I will stand in front of the, the firing squad, maybe. And I pray that God gives me the power and the voice to say, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my text verse that I gave us all over here in Proverbs chapter 3 tells us in this way and it says in verse verse 5 trust in the Lord with all thine heart how many this is here's the thing when tragedy comes how many of us can honestly say we are trusting in the Lord and we're not trusting in the doctors how many of us can say that we're trusting our country to the Lord and we're not trusting into way, the ways of, of our politicians? And we should always be in prayer. God, you know what our country needs. But Lord, we don't want just revival. We want something that's continuous. Lord, let us learn from those who fell in destruction. But notice it says, don't lean upon your own understanding. In verse 6, and I love this, In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Let me tell you something. Wisdom will fail you. 
yesterday as I talked to Esther, I said, how, how are we doing? And she had brave to go, she was brave enough to go back and see her mom. She said, I had to make a decision whether to pull the plug or not. How hard is it that a child, 17 years of age, just turned 17 this week. Her birthday was Thursday, I think it was. And now facing this devastation. And yet in all of this, she's got this decision that's weighed upon her shoulder, pull the plug or leave mom plugged in. Can you do it? I don't know that I can. But this is my assurance. It is well with my soul. So today, while the message may seem rather small, it is the power that we have. And I want you to see this beginning in John chapter 3. And in John chapter 3, this is how I concluded this message. The... the forerunner John the Baptist in verse 25 it says and there arose a question between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purifying and they came to John and said unto him Rabbi he that was with thee beyond Jordan to whom thou bearest witness behold the same baptized all men and all men come to him John answered and said and I love this a man receiveth nothing except to be given to him from heaven Ye yourselves bear witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. He that hath the bride, if you don't get this, you're, you're in trouble. <laughs> he that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This is my joy, therefore is fulfilled. Get this verse. He must increase. I must decrease. It is not how great we are. It's how great he is. I am redeemed not because of anything that I have done, but my confidence is in Jesus Christ. Can you say without a shadow of a doubt that your confidence is in him? Let's pray. Father, I pray that this message that you have laid on my heart is exactly what has been needed for the congregation today. I pray, Father, that you will guide and bless and help us to be faithful unto you in all things. Now as we conclude in this service, help us to be faithful unto you. For it's in Christ we pray. Amen. Brother Randy, would you come forward?